Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Locked On Cavaliers, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, this is Chris Manning, your host from Fear the Sword and the Step Back. Have a really fun show today. Uh, we're talking to Anthony Irwin from Locked On Lakers. The Locked On Lakers podcast is obviously the Lakers daily podcast in the Locked On Podcast Network. Anthony is the co-host along with Harrison Fagan, from who, and Harrison is from Silver Screen and Roll, Fear the Sword sister site in the SB Nation Network. Uh, but it's me and Anthony chopping it up, talking about Craig Sager, the late great Craig Sager who passed away yesterday. And talking about the Cavs-Lakers game on Saturday, the differentials between the two teams at the current moment, uh, talking about Luke Walton and Ty Lue's importances as head coach, and talking about how these teams have been defined by Kobe Bryant and LeBron James in very different ways, and I think it's a great show. And just going to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by BetDSI.com. So do you like basketball, and are you ready to get into the game? Then BetDSI.com is a place for you. This is a site that where you can bet basically anything you want. You can bet basketball, football. If you're a big UFC fan or an MMA fan like me, you can go bet UFC 207 and bet on Rousey versus Nunez. Bet on Garbrandt versus Cruz. Bet on anything you want at UFC 207 or anything you really want, and you're going to be able to find it at BetDSI.com. They have great customer service. You get fast and easy payments, and right now they have a great basketball deal going on. Use the promo code CAVALIERS10. You're going to get $10 free to try up at DSI.com. Uh, try the service. See exactly how much you're going to enjoy it. And also, if you do deposit money, you get 100% guarantee, 100% bonus on that first deposit. So make sure you go do that. Go check out BetDSI.com. Fast, easy. Go use that promo code CAVALIERS10. Get that free $10 to try out their service. And I promise, if you want to bet anything you want, whether it's live, whether you want to plan ahead a little bit and bet something towards the end of the month, you can do it there. And without further ado, here's today's show with Anthony Irwin from Locked On Lakers. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I'm joined now by Chris Manning of, of the Locked on Cavs podcast and of Fear the Sword. And of basically anywhere you see smart Cavs stuff, uh, he probably has a hand in it. How are you, uh, how are you holding up? I'm doing good, man. Uh, it's really freaking snowy in Cleveland. So I'm super jealous uh, that you're getting nice warm weather in California right now because I couldn't even drive to work today because uh, they closed off all the roads because of snow. So uh, it, it's super I, fun. I, I'd like to I'd like to go along with you and say that it's you know nice and warm out here, but it's like sixty eight oh, degrees. Get, it's, get out. it's sixty eight is not <laughs> get out of here. With that it's like I got to my car, I go to the gym this morning and it's like my car says it's eight degrees outside. So like <laughs> you, you can you can get these cold weather hands on my man like. 
Um, all right. So basically what we're going to do is we, we were just going to talk about, you know, the state of the Cavs, the state of the Lakers, and, and have a free-flowing conversation, uh, kind of just see where that takes us. But before we get to that, uh, both Chris and I agreed before we started talking about anything basketball-related, we should spend a few minutes talking about uh, Craig Sager, who passed – uh, this afternoon, by the time everybody's listening to this, for at least for our audience, it'll be uh, yesterday. But he passed just a short while ago. Uh, Chris, I the way I kind of thought of it because I was I was thinking it on my I dr- my drive home actually from a funeral uh, when I was at a funeral when I got the news today, and uh, on my way home, and I was think I was thinking, you know, how do we how do we get into this conversation? The best way I thought of it was, fortunately for both fan bases, the Cavs and the Lakers. You have uh, two teams that are on national TV a lot, on TNT a lot, and and Craig Sager added to the experience of watching those games on national TV more than any other sideline reporter uh, that I can think of, and that's honestly what I'll remember him for. Yeah, I don't have a, like a lot of use for sideline stuff, you know. Like I, I yeah. never feel like I learned anything, but when Craig Sager did it. I was like I was like using my time like he, like even if it was just a fun interaction he had with Greg Popovich or you know he got like just a somewhat good answer his personality um his suits like it was just something special to watch and his attitude too I mean it's it can sometimes be like it feels cheesy I guess to talk about attitudes all the time but like Craig Seger the the way he presented himself the way he fought back against cancer it was heroic and it was something inspiring and like we're gonna it's not gonna be the same watching basketball on thursdays without him like on tnt without him and it was like so good that we got to see him do the finals even for that like whatever how many games he did it like it was cool to see him on that stage on the biggest stage of basketball um and it's it's just not going to be the same without him at all well the way i kind of think of it is you know in the regular season you know there are no bigger stages than like the sunday afternoon abc games and then the tnt games on thursday nights and uh craig sager had this way of lifting even that stage you know where those those games were typically you look at the week's slate of games and you say wow that that looks like fun on thursday night and then you would find out that craig sager was going to be conducting the sideline stuff especially if it was a spurs game and and you got to watch him interact with pop like that was something that I legitimately look forward to. I don't think there are very many talents that I can think of in in almost NBA history. Like we always think of, you know, talents as far as the players, but in terms of talents that I actually legitimately look forward to uh, doing their thing, who who weren't directly involved in the in the in the action on the court. That's in, that's <laughs> I don't I, that's about as high a praise as I can give, and I don't think we'll ever see anything like it. Yeah, and I think it's also just very telling how many people around the league, whether they're media, whether it's players, are paying respects to Craig Sager on social media right now. Like, and like that's sometimes like you know, like oh, like of course you tweeted or Instagram it or whatever, but um, it, it it's sort of like telling that these guys cherish him. Like he's part of the game, you know. Like he wasn't just yeah. someone like just another media member who was just kind of there. Um, he he was a great part of the sports community. Um, he, yeah. he was someone that mattered. He was someone that people respected, and someone that was like part of the event, like you're saying. So, it it like it sucks. I mean, just for me, it's like when I watch I, when I watch TV stuff, it's him and Doris Burke, and those are like my the people yeah. to me that like stand out. And it's like we just we like you lose an icon when you lose Craig Tiger, and there's really yeah. no other way to put it. And and I also like that you called him a hero because of the way he fought. 
Like it takes when somebody um, when somebody finds out they have cancer, the the typical reaction is to to close up shop, to just focus on themselves, to you know, and the family. Like a, you know, the family revolves around that person, and then you you try to handle things from the inside out. And it felt like with with Craig, that and and with um, Stuart Scott, you know, to to the same degree, they they handled it from the outside in. They welcomed us in to watch them fight and li- and and uplift everybody who else is you know participating either either directly in that fight against cancer, or people who know people who are fighting against cancer. Like he was he he stood up and he said, you know. In this moment, when he when he gave that speech on ESPN, it was it was basically him standing up and saying, "In this moment, right now, look to me for strength, even though I should be asking you guys for strength." Yes, that takes immense power, and that's something again, you know, with everything that comes along with him being a, uh, you know, with him being an icon, like we talked about with 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 the way he handled his actual job in the moment. Uh, what I'll always remember him for is in that moment of, for many people, the utmost weakness of actually physically fighting for one's own life. He said, no, look to me. I will provide whatever strength I can for you. And I'm sure that for those people who were actually going through that fight, I'm sure that uplifted them for, for at least a little bit. And uh, <laughs> there's there's no there's nothing better that somebody can do than to provide that kind of strength in that moment. Yeah, and if if you guys out there want to maybe understand the power of him even more, I cannot recommend Lee Jenkins's feature of him from about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, enough, you can find that on SI. Go in their vault, and you can just go, you can search Craig Sager, then you'll find it. It's an incredible piece. Lee Jenkins is you know a great great writer, and he does Craig Sager so much justice in that story. Just if you need to understand him or need something to reflect on him today, and you don't know how else to do it. I cannot recommend that piece enough. And uh, also, I believe if you ever want to, if you wanted to commemorate him, I actually already own this, but you can buy uh, a Greg Popovich Craig Sager lapel pin uh, oh, from a site called Patty Lapel, I think it's called, and it's, uh-huh. it's like ten bucks. But you can get like a little Craig Sager and pay homage to him that way. And I think all the money goes to Leukemia Charity, so you'd be supporting a good cause as well. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm buying myself the Sager shirt actually actually right after the show for yeah. for Christmas. I'll be wearing that on Christmas. Um, <laughs> this kind of puts a bow in it. I think it just happened five minutes ago. Vice President Biden just just tweeted about Craig Sager. Yeah, <laughs> you know you've done you've you've done pretty well for yourself if the vice president. And I would imagine like the Lakers, you know, gave a gave a statement on him. Uh, you're gonna this is the the list of people commemorating uh sager is not going to be a short one and if 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 vice president biden's on there you've done something pretty well no matter how people feel politically like that's the actual vice president yeah it's the second most powerful person in the united states uh and that's (laughs) like that's just it's amazing that someone can transcend that's much i i don't it's gonna like suck to hear pop talk about this you know like we're not even covering the spurs at all but like it's going to suck to like hear Greg Popovich. I'm sure he will give a very eloquent response to well because Greg, when Greg Popovich like needs to speak on something, and I feel like he will do that because their relationship, that's Craig Seger's like most iconic, most iconic relationship is with uh, Greg Popovich in terms of people that he interviewed with. Yeah. Yeah. Keep the tissues handy for that one. All right. So we're going to 
try to to segue as as smoothly as possible away from that and and thoughts and prayers to 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 Craig's family uh you know I'm sure what what they're going through right now is you know whatever whatever Chris and I just talked about a second ago they're feeling it a millionfold so yeah. uh, thoughts and prayers with them uh, at this moment we'll go ahead and and try to pick up with with the Cavs and Lakers talk they're at opposite ends of the spectrum basically the the Cavs are you know in another uh title run uh, they still have LeBron James, <laughs> so and that's kind of, and he's still very, very good at basketball. He's like, still very, very good at basketball. Where I kind of, where I wanted to start though, and and what I find interesting. So right now, the Lakers and the Lakers fans, especially, are freaking out because of this eight-game losing streak. And uh, you know, you got fans saying that they should trade so and so, they should do this, they should do that, they should do this. And I kind of wanted to bring it back to the Cavs in this sense, in that Kevin Love right now is playing arguably the best basketball of his life. Uh, and, and that even goes back to the um, that goes back to the Wolves days when he was putting up the insane numbers that he was putting up back then. I just think he's really efficient right now. He's in great shape. He's doing all these things. And the Cavs, at one point, there were always trade rumors about him. There were always, you know, you know, do the Cavs do this for, you know, do they want more shooting? Do they want more defense from him? How are they going to make this work? They hung patiently, and it puts them in a situation where they're contesting for this title, uh, for the for the back-to-back titles, and they have a much better player than they've had at any point that Kevin Love's been in Cleveland, and that wouldn't have occurred if they didn't have the patience. So, Laker fans, be patient. Am I am I wrong talking about Kevin's uh, season the way I am? No, I think he's been the second best player in the Cavs this year. Um, I think he's I think he's for sure should be an All Star. Like, I hundred percent believe that he should be in the All Star game. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I don't think this happens necessarily if they don't win the title, though. I think a lot of that did hinge on him playing a role in winning the title as well by stopping uh, Curry like he did. Uh, and I think him playing such a role, and I think they're using him differently. There's still times where he kind of feels invisible, but they're going to him. And he, you're right, he does look stronger. He does look uh, to be in better shape. And some of that is because he actually got to work out this summer. This last summer, he didn't get to lift all summer. He was really rehabbing that shoulder he got to work out this summer. You can tell that he feels better. And I think just mentally, he looks like he's a whole new guy. He doesn't seem bogged down. He doesn't have that David Foster Wallace kind of thing going on with his hair and his beard. Um, it's like back to GQ Kevin Love, and he's playing just at an insane level. And he's working with Kyrie. He's working with LeBron. Um, and, like, this this Saturday's game, I kind of, like, I kind of worried that it's going to go one particular way in terms of being good just because the Cavs have had off since Wednesday. Kyrie hasn't played in a week. They're going to be really rested. And this, I believe this, the Lakers play Friday, mm-hmm. correct? So uh, they're going to get a very well-rested Cavs team uh, on the second half of <laughs> good. the back. So like, <laughs> like it, it kind of sets up to, to be not great. Um, but at the same time, like you're going to get to see – if you're interested in like seeing how this Cavs team is different, just watch Kevin Love and watch how he plays because you're right. He is playing at just a different level, and he did, has it all today. The the patience thing, how close do you think the Cavs were? Like on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being, you know, oh, my God, he might not be a Cav tomorrow, 1 being it never was even a thought. Uh, how close were the Cavs to trading him? It's interesting because I think – 
if it was going to the Lakers happen, were also involved in that as well. Like they were right. always the the love to LA stuff. And it, that kind of made sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it probably came close to the deadline last year. And I firmly do believe that they made calls because he was the guy, if you're going to trade somebody, it was going to be him. If you're going to try to get another guy, I think it was going to be, I, I would guess it has to be like on a scale of one to 10, like a five or a six. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I do believe that if they didn't win the title, I think it would have, I, I would have had a hard time seeing him not get traded this summer. Hmm. Just because I think if you didn't win it with him and you had to make a change and LeBron puts the pressure to make a change, he's the guy that you make a move, right? Like you weren't going to trade Kyrie. Um, he was going to be the fall guy for that. And I think we saw that. And I, I mean, I definitely think there had to be something to, with all the smoke, right? Like there had to be a fire where all that smoke was coming. And even if it wasn't like a doorstep, he's going to go to Boston or something. Like I, I, they had to have made calls and I don't think, but I don't think they do that again now. Like I think it would take like a very swing the other way for him to like actually be in the trading block again. Like it's gone completely on 180 degrees with his relationship with the Cavs and with LeBron. So, and, and the reason I, I bring this up, and, and we can move off of Kevin here in a second, but the reason I bring that up is, you know, only a, uh, last year or only a couple of years ago, you would have been, you know, I would if I was a Cavs fan, I would have been looking elsewhere in the league for, is there a better fit? You know, is there, could could the Cavs, what could the Cavs potentially do? What could they bring in? And would it actually make sense for the, for the team right now? And now because they showed that patience, I... I don't think I think the the answer to that question is no. He he fits perfectly. He's a pick and pop four. He rebounds really well. His outlet passes, you know, combined with LeBron's athleticism, you know, to to get easy baskets uh, whenever they can. Like he he fits perfectly, and and it just goes to show that that patience is is vital. You know, it's a cliche to say that some of the best moves that you that's uh that occur are the ones that don't wind up happening and for the Cavs this seems to be one of those instances yeah I think I think if you were going to find a better fit it would have been a guy who could maybe be a better rim protector a la kind of what Chris Bosh was in Miami but those guys are unicorns Mm -hmm. you know like those guys are like Cat and Porzingis and you know guys that the Cavs aren't really going to get you know so it's the Kevin Love they made him fit better, and I think they've made an effort to make him fit better because I think if you watched them the last two years, it was clear that they weren't using him the way they're using him in Minnesota. Um, they're not all the way that way yet, but I think this year's version of Kevin Love is the closest you would get to Minnesota Kevin Love. Uh, maybe he could get a few more elbow touches and maybe more later in the game, but I think it's the closest you will get to seeing that Minnesota, like, 25-year-old Kevin Love that was just stunning on people and was one of the league's 10 best players. This is the version of him you get when he's playing with two ball-dominant stars in Kyrie and LeBron. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the question now becomes, and and for the Laker fans out here, you know, can the Lakers show such patience when they don't have a LeBron on the team? And for me, the, what I always come back to is, What's the point in speeding the process up if <laughs> I don't think the Lakers can do anything that would allow them to contend with Golden State out west? And then if somehow some miracle happens and they make an acquisition, I don't see them being able to contend with LeBron in the east. And, you know, what I am I, you know, from what you're watching from the outside in, if 
you were rooting for the Lakers, and the Cavs found themselves in this kind of predicament before LeBron decided to go back home. Ah, uh, yes, the uh, Dion Waiters era, the Anthony Bennett era. <laughs> yeah, but from where you're sitting, when you watch what's going on out here in Los Angeles, there is no other stance than just, let's just be patient with this, right? Yeah, like, I, this is, I love watching the Lakers. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I keep a tracker of every team, how many times I watch each team so I can kind of even it out and have a general idea. The Lakers are third. Uh, like, I, I watch <laughs> the Cavs every time, but out of teams I've watched, it's the Warriors, the Wolves, and the Lakers are the top three teams I've watched that aren't ca- the Cavs. Um, That's interesting. Well, it's just, like, I find them so fascinating because, like, the, it's just so different post-Kobe because I had a really hard time watching the Lakers the last two years. Oh, like, so did I. Like a, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, couldn't even imagine like every day, but, uh, it's like, I've watched Houston and stuff a lot too, but like, and ma- I'm probably going to get off of this a lot and I haven't watched as much during the game losing streak, but like earlier in the year when, uh, D'Angelo was doing some really fun stuff and Nick Young's revival is real and like Luke Williams has been really good. And like, I just love so many of these young pieces and it's so clear that Luke Walton, like what he's doing for this team, um, and if I was a Laker fan, like, I would just have fun with this because you're not going to – this is the point in your rebuilding stage where everything doesn't – nothing really matters. Like, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you win – if you lose eight games in a row. I mean, it kind of does, but, like, it not really. Like, it's like you're here to rebuild. You're here to let guys like Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle and Brandon Ingram grow. And you're not here to put the pressure on them to win right now because it's just not going to happen. Like, wh- it doesn't make any sense to be frustrated by this because, like, look, like – you need these guys to go through this. You need Luke Walton to go through this because he came from Golden State. <laughs> like, he came from this perfect situation. L.A. is not that. And you need him to go through the pains with D'Angelo and with Larry Nance and with all these guys. And it's going to pay off, you know, in two, three years. Um, and I think that you have to, like, remember that because there is a really, really fun foundation here. You know, like, D'Angelo, I th- I love. Uh, Nick Young, I mean, he's not going to be there, but he's been so fun. And Ingram's been fun. Like, the, the, the dang stuff, I'm sure, it hasn't been great. Um, nope. <laughs> I mean, like, his stats haven't looked great. I'm always like, oh, yeah, Luol Deng's, like, not playing well. Um, yeah. I, here's, here's, how, here's how the Luol Deng thing is going so far. Last night or on, on today's show uh, or yesterday's show, by the time people are listening to this, Harrison and I tried to figure out what kind of zombie Luol Deng is. And we decided that he was, like, get that because he's starting to play a little bit better. He's enjoying something of a resurgence. So he's kind of, like... Do you watch The Walking Dead? Uh, I used to. I, I gave up. Oh, I, I don't blame you at all for that. But like but basically, ago, we we fell on the stage of, you know, when, when they decided or when they decided they were going to, you know, anytime somebody dies in The Walking Dead, they automatically become a zombie because of whatever virus that, that happened. Yeah. Uh, Luol right now is at that stage where he's, you know, he's been lying there for a while and now <laughs> he's just kind of like he's starting to get up. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how the season goes for him. But but yes, it it hasn't been pretty for for Dang. And it's really too bad because he's such. You saw it out there in Cleveland. He's one of the utmost professionals in the league. He was miserable in Cleveland, though. He was. Uh, oh yeah. He was. I mean, it, you could. The body language was not was not great. He needs to be on a winning team. That's why I, I yeah. was kind of interested. Like I was kind of. Uh, I I was a little dubious of the signing out here because he's not going to be on a winning team. Yeah, I th- and I, but I think at the very least, uh, he is a mentor for Brandon Ingram. He is a mm-hmm. mentor for D'Angelo and how to like do things correctly. Um, and like frankly, like you probably need that considering uh, Nick Young is like the other resident 
in the guy and like Metal World Pete. It's like you need that guy. And Luke Walton can kind of be that too because he's a younger former player, but like you need that. Um, and I don't know. I just, I just think they're like so fascinating because it's everyone is so young. And do, are people like really, I guess it, it makes sense that they would be impatient because they're used to the standard. But no one on this team that is going to be part of the team in three years is old by any stretch of the imagination. Like no one that is essential to their rebuilding is old, and that's like that's some of the most fun basketball you can watch. Because like yeah. look at, like look at the Wolves. Like even though this year they're still young, the moment you get expectations thrown on you, it becomes a lot. You start nitpicking more, and you start. Like, you know, overanalyzing a guy like Andrew Wiggins, who is, like, good, but maybe, yes, he's flawed, but he's 21 years old. The moment you start throwing all these expectations on guys, it kind of, you kind of lose sight of, like, where they're actually at, I think. And I, th- I would, I would just love to, j- like, if I was a Lakers fan, I would just soak in all the, like, the, the mistakes D'Angelo Russell's makes and will make are fun. Like, those are things that are going to happen. Yeah. And it's just, you have to, like, embrace it, I think. That was, I mean, at least that's what I told myself when I was watching Anthony Bennett, but, you know. That's, I guess that worked out. Somebody, I forget who it was. I want to say it was Justin uh, from from Cavs Twitter, Cavs Anada, uh, who who <laughs> who tweeted out the uh, just the counting numbers of Anthony Bennett uh, Bennett alongside the counting numbers with Brandon Ingram, and I wanted to punch him through my computer. Like I'm, I mean, I'm so, I mean, when Justin tweets, that's like a normal reaction. So. <laughs> <laughs> I get, when, when I when I saw that stuff, I was I was about ready to. I mean, I I pretty rarely have visceral reactions to tweets, but that was one of them where I I found myself rolling my eyes, even though I knew that that's what he was trying to do. That I, I know he doesn't actually feel that way, or if he does actually feel that way, but but get ready to to catch these nice warm hands from down here in Southern California. They aren't frozen like the ones you're sending down here. Yeah, but I mean, at least we're not in Winnipeg like Justin, so like that works yeah. out. Like exclusively, we're not there. But I mean, maybe can maybe Canada's better right now. Who knows? But um, I mean, I mean, it can't be much worse than what you're going through in in uh, Ohio. Like it can't be that much worse. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Canada might be cool right now, I guess, for a variety of reasons. But um, yeah. I mean, just I'll ask you this: like, as a Lakers fan and as someone mm-hmm. who's like around this team all the time, are, ha, is the eight game losing streak frustrating for you? Um, and because I guess it can still be taxing, right? Like it still can be something that gets really annoying. Um, it's funny. It's taxing and it's annoying in a good way, and I that that sounds really weird and oxymoronic. But the way I kind of look at it is the last couple years, especially the last two with Byron as the head coach. Like I was just numb. You knew going into all these games that they they didn't have a chance at winning. You know, when 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 a team wins seventeen games on any given night, there's no way you can get yourself up and say, okay, yeah, they should win this game. Whereas with this team, uh, the eight, eight game losing streak has been frustrating, but it's frustrating because I've opened myself up to the the possibility that there are games that they should be winning at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's it's I'm kind of enjoying the fact that I do have expectations for them without letting those expectations run away with themselves. Like back when the Lakers were ten and ten, and in the middle of that, you know, the hunt for the eighth playoff spot, you know, I, I was trying to tell everybody, pump the brakes, guys. The expectations aren't needed right now. That's not a good thing for this team. Uh, and because I was able to do that and then now just focus on, you know, each night in and of its own, that's all I'm, that's all I find myself doing It's just, okay, I'll, I'll cheer during this game and I'll hope that they win, but if they don't win, you know, oh, well that sucks. All right, move on to the next one. 
Yeah. So, let me ask you this, too. Are you uh, happy with Luke Walton so far? Very. Very. I. The biggest thing, I knew Luke was going to be, I mean, he couldn't be worse. You you went through the Byron Scott uh, experience. Ugh. <laughs> so I mean, he couldn't. Uh, he could, a, couldn't possibly. Hey, hey, you also went through Mike Brown, so like we're actually like coaching, like spiritual coaching brothers, because Mike yeah. Brown and Byron Scott in reverse order of when they went through. Well, Mike yeah, Brown was, was like in a, Cleveland twice, so I guess you know it doesn't count. It was like a uh, a reverse like snake draft, you know, like a fantasy <laughs> draft. And, they, and both teams just made terrible selections. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when, when they hired Luke, I, I I knew he'd be better than Byron just because. And this might be hot takey of me, but I contend that Byron is the worst coach in the history of the NBA, if not American professional sport. I didn't know this was Harrison's uh, hot take segment. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes I have to represent because Harrison doesn't do interviews anymore. I guess. Oh, I mean, um, I mean, I guess he's just you know too big for this podcast. Yeah, he's that's that's how that works. He gets uh, he gets to go to the games and and his head inflates. And so anyway, but but yeah, with <laughs> with with Luke. Um, as soon as he started talking about empowering the young guys, you know, and using that verbiage of, because uh, they said, you know, are, are you looking forward to, you know, giving D'Angelo Russell all this, you know, responsibility that he's been hoping for? And Luke said, no, I'm not just giving it to D'Angelo Russell. I'm empowering everybody. And, you know, on its face, when somebody says, yeah, I want Nick Young to be one of our better perimeter defenders. The immediate reaction is, "Oh dear God, this isn't going to go well." <laughs> um, but but he challenged Nick, and Nick has had like a, a mini resurgence. Now he got hurt, and that kind of hurt. Whatever uh, you know, that hurt everything that was going on in L.A. But but you know, the fact that Nick Young getting injured last year, if he got injured, it was like, well, okay, fine. That just means we don't have to watch Nick Young do Nick Young things. This year, it it kind of stunk to to see him go down. And then when he said that. He's going to empower Julius Randle with ball handling responsibilities, and he was going to make Brandon Ingram part-time point guard. All these things that, you know, he kind of forced these players outside of their comfort zones. And, you know, in the short term, when everybody was healthy, it looked great. And then, then you know, as people got dinged up and now they're trying to get used to playing together again, you're seeing that go on. But the, the actual act of empowering those guys – makes me really believe in what Luke is, is going to provide long-term. And, I mean, you saw it out there. You, you, you went through the David Blatt era, and then Ty Lu steps in, and you can just you can tell when a team is behind a coach what they're willing to do for that coach. It's night and day, and that's what we're looking at out here. Yeah, and I think that certainly matters. Like, I think sometimes we underestimate what coaching actually means, but you see a guy like Luke Walton connecting with the guys and empowering D'Angelo Russell and, and those things that matter. It's like Ty Lue... I think succeeds because LeBron trusts him because he gets he got Kevin Love and the whole team to buy into Kevin Love. Um, mm-hmm. Like I like I I some part of me does not believe that if the Cavs don't fire, Black, like if they just ride that out, I don't know if they win and I don't know if like they don't. Channing Fry didn't even play very much in the finals, but he actually like made everyone text each other and go to dinner and stuff. And like I mm-hmm. think that stuff matters. Um, well, maybe mm-hmm. more like we can't track in a basketball reference. Like we can't look it up on the NBA stats page, but like guys actually like liking each other and liking the guy calling the plays and trusting and believing in the guy that calls the plays that that matters so much. It's like, I hate comparing NBA jobs to real jobs because like they're, they're totally different, but like if you have a boss that you don't like, like you're not going to work as hard. 
And if yeah. you like your boss, like you're gonna go to you're gonna go to bat for that boss, and you're gonna help out that boss when they ask you to stay late, or if they need you to do something extra to pick up someone else's slack. Like if you like that person, you're gonna do it, and you're gonna be more happier doing it than if you don't like that person. Right. Yeah. No. I I I gave the right when Luke was hired, and when the Lakers were, when everything was a lot happier out here in L.A. before the losing streak. I I looked back on, you know, when I was a kid, I had two, you know, retail jobs. I worked at Men's Warehouse for a little while, and then I worked at Goldsmith for a little while. And when I was at Men's Warehouse, I had a manager who just said, you know, it was funny. They sent out a memo to all the stores, to all the employees, and they said, if you have any ideas, feel free to let us know, you know, and we'll give you a bonus if that, if that idea comes to actually help the company. And when we got that memo, I remember this distinctly. My my manager at the time, and I won't use his name, even though I remember it, uh, he he pulled everybody aside and he says, "Here's this memo. Here's what they sent out." And he ripped it in, in front of everybody. He said, "Things are working just fine here. Don't worry about it." And I was like, "Okay," because I even then I I, I even had an idea that that mm-hmm. would have helped the companies. And and he basically said, "Like, no, go after yourself. We're fine." That store wound up closing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that i took some solace in that <laughs> yeah yeah and then i had a i had a manager at, at golfsmith who uh they didn't send out a memo like that or anything but while i was working with him you know there was there was only a couple of us that you know were either in school or, or graduated from school already and you know to the to the handful of us who he thought you know would actually put legitimate thought into this he said like if you have any if you have any tips on what we're doing here if you have any ideas for for how we could run a little bit more smoothly let us know and just opening up that dialogue made me want to work just that little bit more hard for him and that was those are two retail jobs that like i never considered as careers Mm -hmm. just imagine that it's your actual career yeah you know how you handle that in your actual career and that's what's going on out here for both those teams and it's cool to watch like at the end of the day the fewer bad coaches you have in the league, the more guys are going to w- be willing to play harder on a night-to-night basis. That makes the uh, that that makes the NBA experience that much better. Yeah, I'm actually uh, I'm gonna I'll be covering the game on Saturday. I don't always make time uh, for pregame opposing coach or postgame opposing coach. Sometimes it's because I'm coming from my day job and get there after it happens. But I'm making time to hear Luke Walton talk on Saturday because I feel like. I just kind of want to see how he works. And I'm not at all surprised that he's a, a good coach either. Like, we saw it last year, um, and we saw, like, I think when he was, even with the Cavs, like, he was such a good teammate that, like, that some of that just kind of does carry over. Uh, yeah. And it's, and it's cool to see him leading, like, an iconic franchise like the Lakers. Like, it's kind of cool that he's doing it, and he's getting a chance to succeed in a market and for a team that there's almost no higher profile in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was... Um... It's too bad that the Lakers don't make their assistant coaches available, but the Lakers have an assistant coach, Jesse Mermies, who is amazing to talk to. <laughs> He's he has this like Tony Hawk surfer voice. And it it you know, especially when you after you talk to Luke and he has this really raspy, deep, you know, rumble of a voice. And then you go talk to this uh, Jesse Mermies, it's the the juxtaposition between those two is is f- fantastic. Um, my last question for you is, so the Lakers are now in the post-Kobe era, and at the very end of the post-Kobe era, I found myself bitter, for lack of a better term. 
You know, I, I thought Kobe's last two years actually hurt the franchise. Uh, it slowed down the development when they fo- when the Lakers focused on his farewell tour. Uh, we could talk about the contract, his usage rate, even while being one of, if not the least efficient player in the NBA. Like all those things came to pass. And, and at the end of his career, I'm sitting there thinking, I don't want to I don't I don't want to remember Kobe this way. And uh, I don't think LeBron will ever be as bad as Kobe was the last couple of years because, I, I, frankly, I think he's a smarter basketball player. Uh, sorry, Laker fans. I mean, <laughs> I mean you're, not, you're not wrong. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, But the, the way I'll put this is, how, have, you, have you thought about the end with LeBron at all? Or are you just, you know, smack, you know, blinders on, I want to enjoy this right now, and we'll think it, we'll cross that bridge when we get there? I think about it every summer, um, <laughs> and the new CBA made me think about it mm-hmm. because I want because the the thirty six and over going to thirty eight and over I think makes it more likely that LeBron signs a long term deal to finish his career in Cleveland. Yeah, because he could just make so much more money. Not that he like needs more money or needs more avenues to make money because <laughs> that guy has he's a freaking game show on NBC now with Chris Hardwick. Um, of course he does. Cause, yeah, because of course he does. And he has like a sitcom coming to ABC and stuff. So, you know, LeBron's out here just, you know, racking up money. But, and the Nike, whatever. But, uh, <laughs> dude's rich. Like, I could use like a fifth of that money, a tenth of that money. I'd be happy. But, um, have, have you asked to be in his posse yet? Nah, not there. We're not, we're not. I think if I was going to be in a member of the Cavs posse, I think I'd want to be in Kevin Love's posse, actually. Like, that's <laughs> more of my style. Like, a little more introverted, a little more like having to post on Instagram of what I'm doing all the time. Like, I think that fits me a little bit better. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, LeBron's posse probably the most fun, though. And he probably have the best selection of wine, I'm sure. But um, yeah. I think the end of LeBron, it's going to be really weird to fathom because it's going to a be the first Cavs to retire and really leave a shockwave across the league because it would end an era. Mm-hmm. I think it will mark the next era of how we look at the Cavs because LeBron, even when he wasn't here defined the Cavs in a lot of ways, you know, like him not being there was the defining factor of those Cavs teams those couple of years yeah. when he was in Miami <laughs> yeah. uh, because they sucked without him. Um, they probably, they, they're probably called the non LeBron years, right? I, like yeah, those... I mean, in my head, yes. Like in my, in my head canon, like they're hundred percent just the non LeBron years. Um, <laughs> And there's actually probably like a re- like really interesting stories about like the city during those times too because it's like no one cared about the Cavs. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be a very interesting time in the sense that like I wonder how Cleveland reacts to the Cavs when he goes. But when he goes and whether that's he you know goes plays with the the Banana Boat Crew somewhere warm or retires, I kind of. It's going to be weird, and I kind of wonder. I don't have no idea how he's going to want to go out. Right, like I c- I could see him doing the Kobe tour in a in a not in a little different way and he maybe deserves it but i also could see him doing what duncan did like yeah. or a version of what duncan did like maybe not as anonymous because it's lebron but like not doing the full tour like i could see him trying to i feel like he would want to go out with the finals right like he's going to want to play at that high level because I, f- I feel like nothing else really matters to him like i don't feel like he needs to prove how good he is as an individual i feel like he just wants to play for titles and if he can't maybe that comes into but it's it's just feels like it's so far away even though it's not, you know, because sometimes yeah. I think he's old and he's played all these minutes and he's going to slow down. And then I see him like jump 11 feet in the air and dunk on somebody. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, like this is fine. Like he's got another 10, 12 years to play. And he obviously won't play at that level for that long. But it's it's going to be fascinating. I have no idea. I mean, what do you think? Like would you when he goes, like do you how how will you as like someone who watches the Cavs and have been aware of LeBron for, you know, over a, it's like 13 years now or whatever? Like how is that going to be for you? So the way I kind of look at it, 
the, the, the number one question that comes to mind is, have the Cavs learned to win without LeBron yet? No. You know, so, Until so they and, prove and, it, no. Right. So that, that's where, you know, if I was a Cavs fan, I'd be a little concerned. If I was a GM, if I was, you know, if I was Dan Gilbert, I would have somebody following LeBron around just taking notes as far as, you know, things that things that, you know, he brought over from Miami. And, and I, I know Cleveland fans probably hate hearing that, that like Pat Riley, quote unquote, taught him how to how to win and how to make that culture. I, I'm sure that that just ruffles everybody's feathers out there. But I think it's true to at least a, a minor extent. And in my opinion, it's it's a little bit bigger than than minor. And that would be, you know, that's what I'm going to be watching for is how does the organization fill the void organizationally not just like when kobe retired it was okay how do we how do we you know divvy up his minutes how are we going to spend the money that we are no longer going to be spending on kobe when you know when they have cap space again and all those things whereas like with lebron it's going to be oh dear god how are we actually going to handle this yeah yeah, let me let me ask you this as kind of a relation to this: Is the Lakers post Kobe franchise guy already on the roster? Um, which well, is a loaded question. Or well, here's, I think the Lakers have kind of learned from the Kobe experience. This is something I've I've been thinking about writing this, so I don't I don't I mean it's not a fully formed idea quite yet, but the NBA. As it as it's currently, you know, the teams that are winning right now don't have a singular face of the franchise. Like LeBron is the closest to it, but even he needs Kyrie. Even he needs Kevin Love, right? Mm-hmm. You see, out there in Oakland, you have, you know, you think it's Steph's team, but on any given night, it can be Kevin Durant's team. It can be Draymond Green's team. And I think for the Lakers, what they're trying to do right now, and and I'm going to talk to Tim Bontemps about this at some point. Because um, he he you know he compared it to the Chris Tapps Porzingis situation out there in in New York. New York is kind of sticking with the all we need is one face. When Melo is done, we'll have, have Chris Tapps here, and then we'll just try to build around Chris Tapps. Whereas I think the Lakers, what they're trying to do is they're trying to divide or divvy up the responsibility of being the face of the franchise among the entire core. You know they they aren't they aren't making it D'Angelo Russell's team. They aren't making it Julius Randle's team. They're saying all these young guys are the face, until either one or two of them step up and actually can become a face, or if we just want to never have an actual you know singular face, we'll we'll see how that handles. So I think the Lakers, especially because they just they were held hostage by Kobe the last two years. Like he did the opposite of a hometown yeah. discount. Discount. You know he. He made, he got he had such leverage over the Lakers that he said, "No, you guys are going to pay me what I want you to pay me, and if I leave, you guys look terrible for doing it." And I think the Lakers at this point are kind of saying, "You know what? Let's see if we can avoid that in the future." Yeah, and I think that's I I think that's pretty smart of them to be honest. Yeah, and and you know like if they if you know say somehow. Westbrook winds up in Los Angeles, then he immediately becomes the face. But it's the face surrounded by a whole bunch of kids who might be able to step up and, and grow into a at least becoming his peer. You know, that would be the hope. Yeah. Uh, but as it stands right now, the Lakers are just kind of saying, no, we'll, we'll let these kids come along as they may. And honestly, with the Lakers being as big they are, and, and I'm going to sound like an a-hole saying this, but with the Lakers brand being as big as it is, I wouldn't want – 
the responsibility of being the face of the Lakers. I wouldn't. You know, either. I wouldn't either. Like that's that just, like stink. I could like the pressure of being a face of something like LeBron probably sucks. It's probably yeah. very stressful. Yeah. Well, and and that's LeBron in in Cleveland. And Cleveland's you know image and and value has obviously increased in LeBron's time as he's been there. You know, um, but it, when you're talking about the Lakers, you're talking about fans across the world you know who are who are insanely passionate like we'll, and on any given night we'll get I'll get an, a mention from like Ecuador <laughs> who happens to who happens to like the show and need, and wants us to cover topics on the Lakers imagine that times you know infinity for whoever is actually the face of the Lakers I just happen to host a dumb Lakers podcast yeah i mean so. <laughs> yeah it uh that certainly is like a level of stress that i could never but yeah, it's 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 probably worth its own case study at some point. Yeah, I would I would imagine so. It's it might be why Kobe's an actual sociopath at this point. Uh, at this point in his life, no. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this was a lot of fun, Chris. Uh, again, the Lakers play the Cavs on Saturday. Before that tips off, the Lakers play the the, the Sixers on Friday. So hopefully they can win the game against the Sixers because I don't think it's going to go very well for them in in Cleveland. Uh, Number one, we'll leave on this. Number one storyline for for the Cavs moving forward is it what they're doing right now, or is your focus on okay, how good are the the, the Warriors going to be? I think it's what they're doing now. I want to see where they can take it and if they get better because of it. Um, and they play the Warriors in a week, and I'm I've been waiting for that for months. <laughs> uh, for you, what's what should Cavs fans know about the Lakers besides the losing streak and stuff? What should they watch for on Saturday? Uh, it's just just watch for how much fun it looks like the guys are having on the court. Now, if they get blown out, I would imagine the the looks on their faces aren't going to be that great. But just watch for how hard they play and how many times you'll catch yourself saying, "Wait, how are the Lakers actually in this game?" You know, if if it is indeed close, you, you'll find yourself wondering, like, "How? Wait, huh? Who's? How are they? How is this even remotely competitive?" Uh, and then all of a sudden it'll be a five point game and, and, you know, I would imagine the cows will then go on a run and put the Lakers out, but nothing surprises me with how competitive this Lakers team has been all season. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing them in person. Like I've watched them a lot and, uh, is D'Angelo fully good to go? I guess that's the last thing I have. Uh, he's, they have him on a minutes restriction, so we'll see how they handle it in Philly the night before, but being the second night of a back-to-back, it also wouldn't shock me if they sat him down, which yeah. would suck. That would that would suck, but um, that wouldn't surprise me. While you're there, like marvel at how long Brandon Ingram's arms are. Oh, I will. I'm, I always like seeing NBA players in person. Like The first NBA player I remember seeing in a locker room was Zebo, and I was like, you're huge. <laughs> I'm a tiny human all the way down here. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, thanks for this, Chris. We'll yeah, uh, we'll have to do this again. Um, we don't even have to wait for the next time the Lakers play the Cavs again. Let's let's just have conversations about basketball again. Yeah, I'm absolutely down. Absolutely. All right. All right, man. Enjoy enjoy that. Uh, would would you say eight degree weather? Yeah, eight degrees. Um, and uh, I'll you know you can get these hands if these cold hands <laughs> if I see you. I if, if I if I was more in my game, I'd make the game of reference to the Game of Thrones character, but I can't think of its name right now, so I'm fancy. <laughs> oh man um yeah i think over the course of this this show it chilled down to like a good 65 i might have to put a coat on (laughs) 
I'm gonna go put on a, a nice warm winter coat, a hat, some gloves, and a scarf, and uh, <laughs> suffer through. So enjoy, enjoy. You're probably wearing shorts right now. Uh, I, I will neither confirm nor de- nor deny that report. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, man. Later. This is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while Geico could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, Geico has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more.